This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to play with pain. Hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer Jeff Cesario. Interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host... Jeff Cesario. Welcome to the podcast. God, oh, we got a good show today. Gary, how are you? My producer, Gary Smith. How are you? Gary? Gary. I'm doing great, Jeff. Oh, I thought <laughs> we were on autopilot. I've had uh, several. Gary's left several times due to labor disputes. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to call it a hostile today. workplace, but. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. The sexual harassment is through the roof. That's where we do our sexual harassment is on the roof. That's why we have to go through there. Forget it. Uh, I got a guest today, <laughs> killer stand-up, who also uh, moved into writing movies. And here's the trick, folks. He didn't just write the movies. Somehow he got the movies made. And uh, is even in a little. Uh, Jay Black. Jay, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jeff. I'm so excited good. to be here with you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. We're going to dive into uh, the movie stuff, and you got a couple of questions for me, and we're going to do some fun stuff in just a second. But first, Chet, uh, do you have an update for us? I have a luxury edition with leather interior update. Time of the Waterhouse update sponsored by Auto Body Experience. Hover 20 feet above your car repairs at Auto Body Experience. NBA <laughs> Finals, Golden State, like emails from senators you don't know asking for more money. They just keep coming at you. Steph Curry hurt his ankle, but after that, performed better. Maybe try that, horse racing. Boston <laughs> staring at elimination like Mormons at porn. Lately, their defense has had all the teeth of a subpoena from a Democratic Congress. And of course, we're way overdue for Draymond Green kicking someone in the nuts. Who will it be? Let's strap in and see. That wrap-up sponsored by Floor G- the floor rack so shiny, you'll shudder with desire. NHL finials. Wait, uh, oh, oh, brother, that's finals. What are Tampa Bay and Colorado? Our nation's timeshare bookends? Yes, but they're also battling for the Stanley Cup. Named after the Nut Cup, Stan Laurel War for all his stunts or something. I'm not quite sure. The horse racing, Belmont Stakes, was that last Saturday? I can't remember. And that item was sponsored by Lotions 11, the smoothest, most radiant heist gang ever. America's pastime, now not shoving stevia in our mouths like that's gonna help. 
baseball, slumping Dodgers, stranding more men than a lesbian Uber driver. Stayed up all night working on that one. And finally this week in sports history, the year 1895, the place, France. Emile Levasseur won the first ever auto race, Paris to Bordeaux to Paris in 48 hours. Stopped only twice to have sex with his mistress. This Waterhouse Update is sponsored by Dick Tucker's Women's Clothes for Men. Back to you, Jeff. Wow. Thank you, Jeff. That was, um, <laughs> we were ready for action on that one, Jeff. My guest today, former teacher turned stand-up and screenwriter, uh, who's actually making the movies. We're going to dive into that because everybody uh, writes a screenplay out here, mostly at left turns, which take a good hour and a half. <laughs> so he's he's actually getting them in. It's Jay Black. Jay, how are you today? Uh, Jeff, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here with you today. You could. I would have got well, a little time. Well, here's what I'll tell you. I watched your Tonight Show set in real time in 1988. Oh, wow. I was 12 years old. I was going to say, I was, yeah. I was okay. in... I, was just getting into stand-up, which in a in a big way. You know, A&E's evening at the improv was going, it was the boom. And I was like, this is the greatest art form ever. And I loved your stand-up set. I remember being 12 going, this guy is the next Seinfeld. That was my thought. It was wonderful. I rewatched it and your bit on uh fast food. How when did just you throw the watch it? I rewatched it right before I came on. And I, what smoke. was interesting to me is I, I have been quoting your stand-up set for 30 years without giving you attribution because <laughs> I would go, oh, there's this great bit. It's about throwing fast food in your mouth as you drive by. Oh, and I, yeah. ideally, we wanted to cook in our esophagus. I always gave it the credit to another comedian. I just didn't realize that it was you. You've been part of my life for 30 years, wow. Jeff, without knowing it. Who's so. your credit? That's the part. That I just said, saying. oh, I just saw a stand-up. Oh. It's a stand-up. Actually, <laughs> I, I think stand-up. I, I gave it to Damon Wayans. It was Damon. <laughs> hey, that's an yeah. honor. If yeah. uh, if people are, are thinking that I write on the same plane as Damon Wayans, uh, then I'm happy. Yeah, I remember that beat. It was how fast do we want the food? Right. Uh, it was microwave cake gonna, bit. We're just going to go down. We're just going to go through the drive-thru with our windows rolled down, right. and the kid will just throw crap right into our mouths. It was great. That was so that. good. I remember yeah. very few <laughs> old bits, but I remember that one, yeah. But I, I just got to tell you, man, it was just watching, and I'm like, not only do I remember, I remembered your name all that time, and I would always look to see, you know, like if you had a special or yeah. whatever. Uh, but just that bit, such a good bit. Uh, oh, so, such a good 80s bit without being a hacky 80s bit. You know that's, what I mean? Like, uh, that's an impressive accomplishment. It is. Very it few is. People, cl- people climb that mountain in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, so so you, you're growing up in Jersey. Yeah. You're 12. You're watching stand-ups on TV. Uh, and yet you wind up, you know, well, let's, let's establish this first. Which Jersey? Is it like... You know, is it like the Springsteen jersey? Is it Sopranos jersey? Is it white, wealthy? No one knows about that corner of Jersey. Where? How did you fall in working? Class? Yeah, so I'm you? I'm South Jersey. I'm like 25 minutes uh, east of Philly. That's so all my sports team. Jersey. Yeah, it is. It is. 
It's, I talk about it in my act because people go, oh, you're from Jersey, like the Sopranos. And I go like, I lived next to a cranberry bog. Like it wasn't like the Sopranos. I was in the Pine Barrens, you know, so uh, I grew up with Philly sports and, you know, that, like that sort of North Jersey, New York thing might have been another continent away. Yeah. So, so Philly is your teams by yeah. and large. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, and I started stand up in Philly which wow. is the best two bats in the on-deck circle you can ever get for doing stand-up because the fans of the sports and the fans of the stand-up are very similar. I always say, like, the, the whole world comes with their arms open, and then if you're bad, they close them. Whereas really? in Philly, they come with their arms closed, and if you're good, they'll consider opening them. So, you know. That's I, wild because that was uh, that great moment Bill Burr had Mm-hmm. On, yep. it, it was in Philly, if I'm not mistaken. It, it was. You got one hero and it's a statue. <laughs> yeah. Or it's a it's a fictional character. You have it a statue of some benefit character. or something. And for those of you who don't know, look it up. Bill Burr in Philly. I think it's like 2008, maybe. It's uh, maybe it was before I left teaching. It was 2006. It was 2006. Opie and Anthony, their virus tour. Yeah. And Dom Herrera had just gotten finished getting annihilated by this crowd. Now Dom Herrera. Great comedian, Philly guy, yeah. back in Philly doing this, and the crowd booed throughout. And I think that got uh, uh, Bill a little upset, and he just yeah. went out swinging and brought these people to his side. It's a beautiful moment of stand-up. It, it, yeah, it's one of the most amazing things I think I've ever seen happen yeah. on a stand-up stage because he went out intentionally to antagonize them, Yep, n- knowing it may be the only way to even try to get them. Not that he cared about getting them. I think he just right. went out, like you say, just swinging haymakers. Yeah. Oh, man. When he's uh, he counting out the time. spinning this crowd around. Oh, yeah. he starts counting. Three minutes left. Two minutes left. And he starts getting <laughs> applause breaks when he calls out the amount of time he has left. It, I mean, just from the art of stand-up, Jeff, you're just watching that going. That's the moment where Bill Burr, for me, went from like a really funny stand-up to like he's next level doing stuff yeah, that right. you know other guys can't do. I mean, just amazing. So, so you're, you're thinking about it. It's yeah. in you that may explain, oh, uh, one of the next things I want to find out, which is, was this a conscious decision to go into stand up? Cause you, 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 you went to, to college yeah. uh, for teaching, got a teaching degree, went and taught. Right. But was now, was this a conscious decision or was it a driving force, an alien being inside of you that said, I have to do this? So it was so bo- both. And, and what I mean by that is uh, I, I, di- I told you like New York and L.A. to me felt like seven million miles away. So like yeah. the idea of being a stand up, yeah. which was there since I was a little kid and watching the 80s boom going, that's what I want to do. It was always there, but it just felt like that's what happens to other people. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. when you the people who live in New York or L.A. or move there. And I had a very practical dad who said, you know, I wanted to study English to be a writer. And he was like, what are you going to be? Vice president of poetry interpretation? Get a teaching degree so you can do something with that stupid stuff. So and I, this is 25 minutes outside of Philly, people. Right. Yes. Yeah. This is the level of attitude you get. So closer you move into Philly, it just gets worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. That's the weapons are involved the closer you get to Philly. <laughs> so my dad goes, I get a teaching degree. And I do. And I'm teaching. I meet this girl. She was a sophomore. I'm only joking. She was uh, she was a substitute teacher there. And it was one of those moments where it's like this, this, she wanted to date me and I couldn't figure out why she wanted to date me. And I wanted to do something 
that was special. Yeah, I don't know. Like it was like this desire of doing stand up that I always had. Met this girl. So like the week after I met her, I did my first open mic, and it was almost like, hey, look what I can do. You know, I didn't invite right. her. I just went by myself. Sure. And you know, I always say like you. So like most guys, you didn't actually tell the girl what was going on. Right. Oh yeah. You no, and I still don't. Totally she doesn't. To yourself. Yeah. She doesn't even know what I do. She thinks I'm an insurance salesman. I just, I leave the house, I come back. But uh, long story short, you know, that, that moment where you get into the, the stage and whatever age it is, it's some people can do it. It's like Coke, you know, some people can do it and they go like, that was fun. I don't need to do that again. Right. But right. some people go, well, this will be my life until I die. And it was that moment for me. And I, I never went a week without going on stage after that. So this is Fairly early, still so your early twenties when this I'm, happens. I'm 24, 20, oh, 23, okay. 24, somewhere in there. Yeah. So you had a couple of years of actually teaching, teaching at what level? Uh, high school English in uh, Jersey. So it was like wow, the the crowds weren't kind of. That's some kind of Stonehenge gauntlet there. <laughs> high school well, English in Jersey. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. I started doing stand up, and you get hecklers, and you get people not laughing. And I feel there's a lot of comics who taught, you know, like Vecchione and I were, Mike Vecchione and I were teaching about the same time doing the open mics in Philly. And, you know, it's just that thing of like, when you stare into the face of a stoned sophomore who does not want to hear about the scarlet letter, and then you stare at the face of a patron in in an open mic, you go, I'll take the open mic every time. Like, I, you know, this is easy. It looks a little easier. It does. Yeah. So I, I was used to being in front of people who didn't care, which is really the only skill you need to be a good stand-up is to yeah, be fearless true. in the face of failure. Yeah. You got to be thinking to yourself, oh my God, I got to get to Edward Albee with these kids. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that's that a, that's happen? a deep pull. That's a, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf pull? Deep friend? pull. Hey, that deep pull sponsored by the Dollar <laughs> Confederate Statue Store. And Nugentix, Wiener Pills directly from Ted Nugent. Nobody knows what's in them. Back to you guys. All right. So uh, now you got a good buddy of yours, Brian Herslinger. This is from yeah, high Herslinger. school. Uh, uh, elementary school he uh we met in the lunch line because someone bent over he winds up being your writing partner here right Right. we become best friends he someone bends over and i say oh you're gonna get a body cavity search or something it was police academy 2 had just come out and he turns and goes did you just see police academy 2 and i was like i did and then we were friends it's like that's the kind of male friendship that i don't think people understand that's all we needed no, to be friends. not a lot. Uh, you don't have to base it on a lot. Um, my my wife asks me sometimes, uh, you know, how, how do you know that guy? On right. what did you build the relationship? What <laughs> yeah. central core element did you build from to create any sort of relationship? And I, uh, he could golf on Tuesdays. That was enough <laughs> yeah. back in I, the day to start a friendship. I always tell my wife that like, you know, women are relationship based and the activity is secondary. Men are activity based and the relationship is secondary. And I was like, even like you if you, you actually yeah, thought. well, like if, if guys are all hanging out doing the same thing, you just become friends with the guys who are doing the same thing with you. And I always right. said, like, you know, I used to play uh, basketball every Sunday with my friends. And I was like, you know, if Hitler showed up, we would we wouldn't like him. But if he could shoot. 
we would probably be like, oh, well, you know, Hitler, he's not that bad a guy. I mean, like, he's terrible. The genocide is terrible, but the guy has an outside jumper. So what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. If you don't pester him, if you don't ask him to play D. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the that's yeah. the basis of it. So we became like instant friends. So you meet this kid in grade school. You yeah. develop a friendship through uh, middle school and high school. Yep. And and what's he doing? when you're teaching and then when you switch to stand up, what's he doing? So he's does, out in how LA. Do these two lines meet. So yeah, it's a very good question. He was out in LA. He was a PA on Alan McBeal. Yeah. I, I was do, doing that like a politician. I'm glad you asked that. I appreciate that question, Jeff. <laughs> Let me continue. Motion too, Let me just the, do this with the child soup spoon in it. <laughs> I want to say thank you is. for that question. Uh, he's out in L.A. He's a, a P.A. on like all these David Kelly shows like he was a, at Ally McBeal. And then wow. uh, the the um, I forget the, the one in the hospital, Chicago Hope. You know, so he's doing that. So he's got a little traction. Yeah. Right. So yeah. he he makes I, I start doing stand up. He, he makes a movie called My Date with Drew, which was a uh, documentary. He gives himself 30 days to get a date with Drew Barrymore. It it catches lightning in a bottle. It, it goes, it wins HBO Aspen, you know, the, the right. audience award there. He gets on The Tonight Show. He does like 30 spots on The Tonight Show with uh, uh, Jay as the, the, the filmmaker in residence at The Tonight right, Show. Right. And he gets, you know, repped at uh, uh, one of the big companies. I forget what. But they're all coming to him and going, what's your next project? And it just so happens I was in L.A. to visit him when he's getting all these like, what's your next project? What's your next project? And uh, we take a walk and he starts shooting ideas at me. And it's just like middle school. I start shooting back and I go and I take one course in screenwriting in college. So I was like, well, you need a good second act. You know, I'm saying like very adult things. What's and, the you know, inciting incident? Right. What is our turning point of act right. one? Could we figure? And it, by the end of that, it was just such an easy back and forth. He was like, do you want to write? the next script with me and uh we did and that one was terrible and the management said we're not sending it out this is brutal it was like 161 page comedy and they were like guys go back and try this again and i'm still teaching so in my mind i'm going this is ridiculous this is all make-believe it's never going to happen so let me just write every bad idea i've ever had into a comedy screenplay like it if this ever gets out, Jeff, not only will I be canceled, you'll be canceled for having had me on your show. Like it was just, it was. So you're thinking this is just a flare gun in the middle yeah. of the Atlantic Ocean. You just forget it. I'll take the one shot. Nothing will happen. Right. Exactly. I I was still teaching. I was like, this is this is stupid. Hollywood is stupid. They don't come to people in New Jersey who are teachers to make scripts. So I wrote it. We sent it out. And every single production company and studio that we sent it to, we got a call and it was some junior executive going, I read this script. It's the funniest thing I ever read. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. And I was like, great, you're going to make it. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. We could yeah. never make this. Never in a million years. I showed it to my boss. He was angry. I showed it to him. So he, everyone hates it. Who's above 30. I loved it. And that's all it took. That got us the door open to at least get meetings about other projects. And we've got sure. a couple of WGA gigs, you know, where we're doing like rewrites or, you know, uh, a script polishing. We did a script polish on uh, one of the police Academy remake movies that never got made, you know? Well, that so, kind of had to be a thrill though, in a, in a, in a, in a way 
a small circle coming yeah. full for you. One hundred percent, like that we got through. And like you said, we made all these scripts. None of them got made. Like we're just working, and it's this weird thing. You can be a working Hollywood screenwriter with yeah. zero projects. Right. You just do. I think that's yeah. less so now because mm-hmm. the business model has shifted to a point where it's like you pay for everything until we like everything that's on the right. page. Then we'll start picking up the bills. Yeah, that's a good be, point. They would say, "Great, uh, you know, great idea." Here's a little money, go away and write it. And you could Correct. cobble together a pretty decent living. But I think the business model has changed your point where that doesn't happen. So you're writing, what's the first one that gets made? So what, or do you what spin gets, it off and make your own? How do you? Well, so the, the big thing that happened was we went in, we had been like, so we're pretty quick. And I was just banging out screenplays on the road because it was a way to not get in trouble. You know, like I have a wife and three kids. I'm like, right. you know, headlining Vegas and, you know, you work 45 minutes a night. So she'd be like, what yeah. did you do today? And you can't go like, I was at the pool till two. Then I took another nap and then I went and talked for 45 minutes while I drunk. I went to the sports book for about seven hours. <laughs> and I worked. Yeah. So my deal with my wife was if I came back with this finished screenplay after a week, she wouldn't be mad at me. So I was just like banging these suckers out. That's a discipline there. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to get divorced. So, uh, I, (laughs) yeah. Uh, well, we, my Brian and I, we get an invite to a a small company called Mar Vista. I don't know if you know Mar Vista. They do do like TV movies and stuff. Yeah. And we walked in and they said, do you have any Valentine's Day movies? And I went, nope, and got up to leave. And he went, wait a second. And he remembered a romance that we wrote. And he's like, we do have a Valentine's Day movie. And when we walked out, he was like, you're such a dummy. Just change the title to Valentine's Day. It's, it's just a romance that takes place on Valentine's. It's a Valentine's right. movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So they made it. And it got sold to Ion, which is a channel I didn't know existed until they bought my movie. And then we did another one from our Vista that got sold to Hallmark. And then we did another one that got sold to, to Lifetime. And it was just this thing where I realized, oh, wait a second. They're, they're a line of credit that just gets producers and directors and actors together. And right. then they make a movie. They're not like a studio. They're like a, I mean, they're good. They're good people. They took right, care of me. Right. So I just went out and got my own line of credit and started making it myself. And I was like, I can do that. You know? And how did so, you do that? Did you just literally go get cobbled together your own financing and yeah. then go out and. Well, I'm a white man in America, Jeff. So I opened my window and said, I need a quarter of a million dollars. And then like 10 minutes later is knock on the door. And it's like, hello, white person. Here you go. Now, this had to be harder than you're making it out. To no, it was really hard. It took me three years. up that level of money. Especially yeah. when someone goes, what's it for? And you go, well, yeah, movie script, eh? he's pretty good. <laughs> I maybe I could be have a little party. Yeah, flam, door yeah. slams. Yeah. But you persevered so, and you found the money. Where'd you find the money? So, uh, well, it, where a lot of the money gets found in this place, in dubious places, um, I... I actually, I teamed up with. That's actually uh, a town about twenty five minutes outside. Of Philly. <laughs> <Dubious>. <laughs> yeah, I I actually teamed up with a couple of business guys in Jersey, and uh, we put together a business. Like they handled all like the business plan and like how we're going to make right. money from this and all that. And by this time, I had like four or five movies that had aired on either Hallmark or Lifetime, so there was a, a track, a track record. record, right? Right. right. And and the the real key to it was just saying like, here's the economics. It's not like 
a movie that goes into the theater where you go, I hope we make some money. If Lifetime or Hallmark buys it, there's set fees for picking up that movie. And if you can do that, you know, and do it under that fee, you're going to make money. So all we have to do is sell it. And then we can don't, don't worry about it anymore. And on time, I think there's, on your budget, and you're right. And you, you've got you, some. Cash. You make a little bit of money, and then if it goes far, and you make a little bit more money, and then we can do another one. And that's just the the whole story. And I'm I'm starting my I think eleventh lifetime movie is uh, happening this this summer in Myrtle Beach. So it's uh, it's good for golf. It's good for movies, and yeah. we're going to get going July thirty first. That's exciting. As you progress in this process, do you get a little more say uh creatively say in casting or things like that because yeah. I, I imagine when you start you just hand it over on a platter and they go we got it from here yeah oh uh, for sure when when you you start you hand it to them and again these are commodity movies jeff right like nobody's making psycho storm chaser because they're like oh i had a real creative push to make this this is my passion from day one and it's not to say you don't try to do a good movie but yeah, you just, it's like yeah. we're going to get it done. It'll be it, done, and then people will watch it. When people say there's so many platforms out there, they must need so much product, they're actually referring to this. Yeah, what, yes, yes 100%. It, and if people ask me what I do, and a lot of times I'll just go, I produce content. And like, what kind? Immaterial. It just needs to be moving pictures on a screen that people will watch for two hours. Uh, that tip, guys, sponsored by Acetaminophen. <laughs> Blow the aspirin right into your face, Jay, with Acetaminophen. <laughs> and, of course, J.C. Penny, dressing homicide detectives for over 62 years. <laughs> Back to you. I love Chet. I, th- I want to bring Chet as an opening act. I think that'd be great. So uh, now, which do you love more? I'm, I'm guessing, because you're working stand-up, you're working yeah. hard, mm-hmm. and you're writing movies. Right. Which, uh, how, how does that break down in terms of satisfaction for oh, you? Stand up every time, every everywhere. Stand up. It, it, I would do stand up for the rest of my life if allowed, uh, whether they paid me or not. Don't tell anybody I said that. Right. Um, I, I do think, you know, like, like I said, going back to the cocaine uh, metaphor, one of my favorites, uh, if if writing movies is cocaine, doing stand up is crack because it that immediate response of the crowd and the energy of it and the no yeah. tightrope and just complete control out there. It's just literally my favorite thing to do of, you know, don't tell my kids I said that, but it, I would do that over anything else, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, how'd you run into Neelan? How'd that hook up? You, you've been oh, you've done uh, some opening for Kevin Neelan. Yeah, I did a, a couple of uh, tours with him. And by the way, do you know Kevin? I do. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, nicest human yeah. on the planet Earth. You know, but right? an incredible practical joker. So oh, you yeah. never know when the niceness will suddenly work around <laughs> three sixty. <360. laughs> He's uh, one of the funniest human beings. One of the best standups. I've got uh, two quick stories about Neelan. One. He saw me in Cleveland. I was doing hilarities in Cleveland right. and fantastic. And they, what happens is when you're like me, when you're not a famous person by any stretch of the imagination, you work Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday is the headliner. And then they bring in a real famous person on Friday, Saturday, and uh, you open for him. So he came in to watch the show Wednesday or Thursday. I didn't know the night before his act. 
And I get off stage and he goes, you're really funny. Uh, how come I don't know you? And I'm like, well, I'm from New Jersey. And he's like, that makes sense. Uh, he's like, you should open for me. Now, how many times have you heard that from a headliner on the road? Yeah. You know, 25 million. And then there's nothing that comes of it. So I go, oh, great. Figuring nothing will happen to it. Mm -hmm. And then literally that Monday after the weekend, he calls me and he's like, get your calendar. Let's work this out. And I'm like, I'm like, you're actually following through on this. And he's like, yeah, why wouldn't I? And I was like, either you're the nicest human in show business or I'm a kidney match. And this is the long con. Right. You know, like he's just setting me up. Uh, so, so we do it, you know, and no, really, uh, just speaking in the microphone, but I'm horizontal and I don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. You're actually on stage right now. Okay. Yeah. So, so. I, the first show I did for him was in uh, was in a Stress Factory in New Brunswick, and it's my home Another turf. Room. Oh, great! Vinny, Vinny is Brand. the band. Vinny Brand, love Vinny. I'm working there this Saturday, actually. So I'm Tell doing Vinny a. Vinny bat- said hello. I will. I, I tried. I was out east uh, for the first time in years and years and years in Connecticut four years ago, and almost slipped in and did. He had a room in Connecticut. He's, he has a, that room is still there yeah you should check it out it's a good room the bridgeport room i'm gonna have to call the so, city yeah so i i'm in there uh opening for for Neilan. it's my first official opening gig for him and like it's a lot of my friends and family come out to the show it's my people it's new jersey right. sure. and i do 20 minutes and this has never happened in my whole life i get a standing o in the middle jeff wow. so now I have this problem because you don't want to be the opening act that gets a standing O in the middle before the headliner, you know, you, you, so yeah. you, you, cause then you're not going to be the opening act much longer right. in, in most cases. It, so, it's worse if you get the standing O at the end. <laughs> yeah. When you, standing when you o come, in the middle, you can kind of go, okay, there is people. Yeah. Now, now let's see if you can professionally taper this off <laughs> and and, and uh, hand the baton to me yeah. in, in grand fashion. Well, well, I, I, what I mean is the end of my act in the middle. You know, like he, oh, I stand okay. out, and then the, right. yeah. So I'm walking backstage in between shows, and in my brain, I'm like, how do I say this to him? Because this has never happened; it will never happen again. How Probably do I say I'm sorry right. for getting the standing O without being, you know, a dick? Which I'm so I'm sorry. I was so good, you know. Yeah. So I go to him and I go, Kevin, I just want to say, I was too energetic that first set i'm gonna dial down the energy i think and he goes jay i i I need to tell you two things one i brought you on this tour because you're funny and i want funny in front of me and two i'm famous they will forget about you the second i stand on the stage (laughs) it doesn't matter what you do and i was like okay all right yeah and it was it was true he gets on stage and they go kevin nealon and they yeah. forget all the stupid stuff I did. It was the most alpha move. You know how they say alpha, yeah. Jeff? Like that was the most alpha where it's like, I'm not bothered. I'm, I'm yeah. going to be great. It's going to be fine. And from there, it was just uh, cream cheese. He, he's awesome, Kevin. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's, that's tremendous. Okay, let's discuss uh, some Philly sports moments. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure where to start because I'm not sure which will be more violent, your best Philly <laughs> moment or your worst Philly moment. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, they almost meet on the other side mm-hmm. of it. You know, uh, yeah. best Philly moment, best Philly sports moment for you. Oh, boy. Um, 
Okay, so this is just uh, like, not, it's a personal thing. It's not a, a, a grand thing that happened. My dad always had a dream of seeing a Flyers game and an Eagles game in the same day. Uh, I don't know why that was a dream of his, but I, uh, well, it's I got like him. People who go into the forest naked and see if they can survive <laughs> for a long time. It's the Philly version of that. 100%. So I got him tickets to the Eagles and the Flyers in the same day back in 2001. And we went and we watched the Eagles. Uh, and then afterwards we went and watched the Flyers. And I, uh, I just was very happy to be there with my dad. So that's my that's best impressive. moment. And yeah. a level of drinking that was acceptable. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. So- back. Yeah, you have to be drunk. Literally, legally, you're not allowed into a Flyers game without being drunk legal wow that's quite the flip around that's i'm from wisconsin so i'm familiar with it as i've often said the drinking (laughs) edge of wisconsin is six so (laughs) you get used to it you get yeah you build up the the tolerance at an Mm -hmm. earlier age yeah 100 percent uh worst worst philly moment yeah uh losing to the red wings in 97 um with uh the our our flyers team that had lindros and uh, uh eclair uh, Eclair, LeClaire, and, um, you know, the Legion of Doom uh, front line there. Yeah. Um, my dad was an original Phillies guy, a Philly, uh, a Philly Flyers guy. He watched every game. Wow. Literally, we had to have our wedding in the summer because if it coincided with the Flyers game, my dad was yeah. not coming to the, the match. <laughs> sure. So uh, we, I was just heavily invested in, in the Flyers my whole life. And that was my first Stanley Cup experience. I mean, there was the one in the 80s. I was a little too young for that when we lost against the Oilers. We brought out Kate Smith to sing. We still lost. Uh, but at 97, when we lost to uh, the Red Wings, you know, it is, I think it was a sweep. Might have been. Yeah, it was a sweep. And I watched every single second of that series. And my heart broke the entire time. It's amazing when you love a team you can watch even the worst defeats. Like I'm a huge Wisconsin Badgers fan and yeah. I will watch some pasting they got or some horribly disappointing thing where they fumbled it tw- a t- three times and gave away. Right. I'll watch that hoops. Can't watch it. I get agita. I can't right. watch any of it. I just check my score app every 10 minutes. I can't actually physically watch it. But what I loved the most was I asked for your favorite uh, for both sports moments. And you launched into hockey like it is a national craze. <laughs> yeah. That was beautiful because uh, Philly, maybe Boston fans, but even Detroit or Minnesota, they don't do that. They always give a little bit of a qualifier. Philly fans just go, yeah, the Lindros team. That launched. <laughs> you just go, what? You <laughs> just was, assume everybody remembers it. Yeah, That was, no. that was just beautiful. Uh, all right, let, let's hit a couple things before we split because we got to sure. get out of here. Um, I, I love getting uh, travel tips from comics because comics travel more yeah. than anybody nowadays. Even during the pandemic, they're like, well, I, you know, I'm not making people laugh with this freaking technological setup. Sure. So I got to yeah. go find the live crowd that's 70 miles from me so I don't get sick. I mean, they, they actually sort of pioneered getting back out. <laughs> Right into society. So traveling constantly, what have you found? Is there a little trick that you found that you do every time that makes your trip more palatable, more enjoyable, or just a little smoother? Uh, so one thing I do all the time, and 
uh, is when I get to uh, a lot of times when you're flying, you might get to the hotel early. And if you're very sweet with the person up front, you go like, I know check-ins at three, but is it possible it's 1130? There might be an open room and you make little doe eyes and they let you in. Um, immediately do the deadbolt when you get in because the maids are sometimes not told that the room is occupied. Right. And you might have taken off all of your clothes to go uh, number two because you want a very comfortable poop and you're going to take wow. a nap right afterwards. And this there's a, a tangent we're going to dive back into. There, there's a chance going. a maid might open the door and see you sitting there and scream. And you want to say to them, please, no, I, I did not know you'd be coming in. So do the deadbolt. It might deadbolt. save you a little bit of embarrassment. That's all I'm saying. That is the, at first a great tip. <laughs> <laughs> at, at all times, I I yeah. I, uh, I don't let anybody in or out of the room. Once right. I get in a hotel room, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I'm not a pig. I know how to keep a room clean for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know, yeah. if I eat something, I walk it down the hall. The you know leftover pizza, fit, whatever it might be that's going to smell up the room. You walk it down the hall to right. where they where the, the soda pop machine is. There's always a wastebasket there. You mm-hmm. jam it into that, and you just keep everybody out of the room. But uh, that is also uh, the early check-in is the best part of that tip. That's that's yeah. a great tip that if you schmooze a little bit, yep, yep. you may get the early check-in. That way you're not, you know, you're not flipping through your phone or trying to find something to read in the lobby right. of a hotel. Oh, it's the worst. Express. Yes, it's the, it's worst. the worst, especially because you probably took a flight at 5 a.m. because yeah. you don't want to get there late. And, it, you know, if you're doing like, a, like I'll do college gigs sometimes where I'll be like in St. Olaf, you know, and you're sure. You go in and you, you know, you choir. try to, the Saint yeah, Olaf choir, great choir. You, that one. I've done that college, the St. Olaf choir, sure. and you, you go in and you just, yeah, Still, uh, everybody knew them. <laughs> oh yeah. They crushed. I came out there like, when are you going to start singing? I'm like, I don't do that. I just said, stand up on the poster. Uh, but they, they, you pull the showbiz card a little bit like, ah, oh, I'm a comedian. I got here early and, oh man, nice. I really love if I could just. Maybe get a room, and they oh, if especially if it's an older fat woman, they'll give you the uh, oh, sweetie, and they'll do like little tippy tap. They'll mom you, they'll mom you, right they'll mom the you to death. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. impressive. So Sponsored, hey guys, by Zigzag Zit Cream. Your zits will never see it coming. Serpentine with Zigzag Zit Cream, <laughs> and of course, Rocket City, the jet blue of space travel. Back to you guys. All right. Uh, so uh, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this up. I wanted to talk about um, uh, the the partnership that you have with uh, with Herzlinger. Yeah, sure. It's still going? Have you split? Are you do you come together? So, once in a while? where were you so with this? We're still going. I started this uh, uh, production company, and Brian was just starting to get real hot as a director for Hallmark Lifetime, and started getting right. the big gigs. And when I say the big gigs. They do their acquisitions at a couple of hundred grand. They do their in-house stuff in the seven figures territory. Uh, so he started, he got called to the big leagues and right. we still work together. If any of those scripts need a rewrite, we work on them. Or if he has a project that needs a writer, he'll call me in and we still work together. So we're still good friends. We still write together, but the movies I'm doing for my production company, I write and produce uh, myself. How much humor can you get into a Hallmark script as a comedian? Yeah. I know there's never a regulator on that. Yeah, no, no, That's no, going no, full no. bore all the time. Yeah. And you got to think to yourself, okay, I'm just going to write it 
and then we'll dial it back because it's so far Hallmark can go, right? Oh, they don't they or, or any out, platform like that. So Lifetime will be way more open to any of that. Like they right, they have right. a lot less strict standards. Hallmark, every time you talk to them, it's the brand. The brand must right, be protected. Right. And they flat out told me, we don't want funny. We want humorous. And I said, I don't know <laughs> I the know distinction what of what you're saying. Oh, you and maybe find they, out. <laughs> yeah. So if you tell a joke, if you do a pratfall, if you do anything like I, the one that I, I did get through had a bunch of jokes in it. And they told us that was a production from Revista that got bought by Hallmark. Uh-huh. They told us we were real on the line about buying this because it's too funny. Which to my comedian ears is that's the greatest that's compliment cool. I could ever yeah. hear. Right. Uh, right. But to to the everybody else involved, they're like Jay, let's take it down to like a three. You know. Right. It's, right. It's hard to do. Now, uh, by the way, real fast, I see the Emmy back there. That was for uh, Dennis Miller live. That's right? correct. Two of them. I, I'm uh, blocking one of them. I think that. Maybe. Can I just say, Jeff? Again, I, I know we're, you're interviewing me. I loved your work so much. I was the Dennis Miller fanatic. In the right. 90s, I watched every episode of that show. Oh, and, great. Uh, you, your writing on it was phenomenal. I assume you did help on the rants. Would be yes. a, uh, a big I part did of that. a lot of help on rants. Uh, you know, that was a team effort. Uh, hats off to everybody on that staff and a big tip of the cap to Dennis. It was Dennis, speaking of hot, was, was super hot right at that moment, getting yeah. movies and things. And we had to devise a writing system that uh, really involved him for a day and a half at the end of the week because he was sure. off shooting whatever. Yeah. And so I said, guys, we got to, we got to pitching staff this. We right, gotta, right. I, I, you're, you're good at the last line of a bit. That's what you're going to do for the next eight weeks is just hit yeah. last lines. You're good in middle relief. We're going to throw you in. Everybody combined their stuff and we read it. I read it all without anybody knowing whose stuff it was. Wow. And then we just picked the strongest stuff and we sat around a table and that's how we did it. We collectively what? built a rant. It was beautiful work. And then Dennis would come in and piece it together and lay in his, his, his vibe on it. But it took advantage of what he did best, which is if you're a Miller fan, you know, he goes off the top of his head better than literally anybody i ever worked with wow so the whole thing wow. we were very fortunate it congealed nicely it was beautiful work man and uh, i i watched the new rules with uh with bill maher as sort of a methadone to the yeah. uh to the right. actual to the heroine rants. of what he did because that last rant was just always I, w- I would watch with my dad with the same regularity as he watched flyers football uh, 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 that's hockey impressive going. Now, that's a compliment from a filming yeah. guy that's the highest compliment you can get. <laughs> uh, my guest today, folks, Jay Black. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Jay Black is funny. Yep. And now, do they go to jayblack.tv? Jayblack.tv is the website, but really, Twitter is my home base for just about everything. That's, and did you that's get how we met. Off Twitter, I saw something that said I'm back. I'm back on Twitter. No, so oh. I I went through four years where I just deleted my whole Twitter. Uh, something happened in November 2016 that made Twitter a little bit a little less tougher. hospitable <laughs> if you have a left-leaning side uh, thing. Uh, then in 2020, I was just like, the election's too important. I got to come back. And now I'm back full bore. So, so. it was uh, self-enforced exile. It, it was from all social media. I, I was you know going through some stuff mentally at the time, too. And my shrink was like, 
does it make you happy, the social media? And I was like, oh, no, the opposite, <laughs> quite the opposite. And they said, maybe possibly not do it then. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's good I thought. didn't know I had a choice. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. impressive. So what can we look for from the J. Black cinema world? Do you have so, a project in the pipeline here? What, what do we got? Yeah, on? I'm currently shooting a movie called, uh, and please don't be jealous of where I'm at in my career, Jeff, when I say this, uh, Psycho Fiance. It's about a fiance who is uh, psycho. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, that is uh, shooting in, in Myrtle Beach uh, this summer. We hope to have it to a uh, lifetime by September and you guys have a movie to watch by uh, October, November. So and do the they, they have, like you say, a little wider berth. So I'm guessing yeah. you may be able to get. Uh, now, is this part comedy? Is this. So what they, what they want is uh, they want a thriller, but they really like sort of a little dash of self-awareness. Right. That right. It, it can be a little bit campy. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we, we can have That's moments smart. in there where, you know, you can hate watch it and go, this is ridiculous. But from Lifetime's perspective, it's OK that we also know that it's ridiculous. So that right, gives me right. a little bit of leeway. I can make the kills really funny. Uh, and out there, like you know, right? Where oh, that's you, great. That's, so it's, that's it's, great. It's a little bit rewarding in that sense. And you know, you've written movies. You know, yeah. the fun of it is figuring out all the the yeah, problems. The, yeah. Once you understand, the fun is getting boxed in. Yeah. And now writing your way out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and and that's uh, structure that's, is fun. I, I hate to say that, but it is fun to no, sort of go really like, is. how do I get to the make the second act? The second act's always a challenge. How do yeah. I hit the third act in a way that we're all feet are running on the ground? And, you know, it's, it's fun. That's impressive. So folks go to Jay Black TV. He'll post your dates there too. Your stand up dates, right? Yep. 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 What do you got coming up? Anything on the boards? Uh, so the, the, I'm doing mostly local stuff and uh, again, cruises. Don't be jealous, Jeff. I, I feel like I, I'm you making know, you jealous. Uh, the cruise ship now, a probably one of the safer places to be if there's going to be any sort of, hellish uh, worldwide <laughs> yeah. nightmare sure yeah no we uh, i could picture myself being a survivor on that uh the and, big one I'm doing the is- audiences are are younger and better and on the ship itself there's actually competition they right. can do this they can do that they can get you know there's a hundred things they can do right so to, so they actually kind of have to choose to go to yeah. the stand and show. most of the- to be stand-up show stand-up show wednesday again same guy yeah Oh, Jesus. You know. <laughs> yeah. So this one has a comedy club in it. So it's not, not oh, as bad. Fantastic. You're in an yeah. actual place. But uh, the big one that if you really want to see me, I'm going to do uh, Brad Garrett's room uh, oh, in, in, sure. in October. Yeah. In, in, at MGM. Uh, Brad will, will be there as well. You know, he hosts. So oh, he gets fantastic. out. And uh, you'll, depending on how long Brad does as the host, I will be closing out the show with anywhere between 20 and one minute. To close out because you because know, right. sometimes they'll go long and you got to be out at 75. So I'm coming out with right. like four minutes and I say, oh, It's great to be here tonight. I gotta go. <laughs> Tell like two jokes and I leave, but the pay's the same. And you get to see Brad and not me, which is what people want. Well, uh, uh tell Brad I said hi. Tell Vinny Brandon I said hi. Uh folks, Jay Black, Jay, thank you so much for coming. Hey Jeff, this was a real pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Real Jeff Cesario. My album, What Was I Thinking? Streaming everywhere. The Play with Pain Mugs uh, from the website. Yeah, tell them about the Play with Pain. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. 
Uh, they're going to be available. They are available at jeffcesario.com. They're right up in that corner right there. Go buy one. Uh, and uh, and I'm going to have some dates. Knock on wood coming up pretty soon. I, swear, I know I've been threatening to do it, but uh, go to jeffcesario.com and, and uh, check, and I'll, I'll tease what dates I have coming. Chat, what do you have coming up? Oh, brother, this weekend I'll be in Cordell alone, Idaho, calling the ninth annual I've Never Been Camping Invitational for Ouch.com, the single most popular event in Idaho, according to Bears. Sponsored by Temporopedic, the lightly fried adjustable mattress, and my pillow case. Make any pillow your pillow with my pillow case. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.